This is Igris. We're continuing our discussion of public Minara lightings. The way we got into this mess in the first place is that uh, we were talking about Mivtzah Hanukkah because it began exactly 50 years ago in our year. We're studying the years of the Rebbe Zigris from Tavshin Lamed Dalid. And Tavshin Lamed Dalid was the year that the Rebbe first announced Mivtzah Hanukkah. It's the first year we have a Sicha pushing that there should be a Minara in every single Jewish person's house. And the natural outgrowth of that is because Shluchim were now doing things for Hanukkah, not just putting tefillin on people on Hanukkah, but making big Hanukkah efforts. They started putting together big Hanukkah parties. And part of those big parties was giant menorah lightings. And as far as we can tell, the Rebbe did not directly encourage this himself. I, as far as I can tell, and I, I've looked at a bunch of different places where there's a Rishimus and the like, uh, it looks like Shluchim came up with this all by themselves. The Shluchim thought it'd be a good idea to put menorahs on public property, and big ones ideally, and the Rebbe heartily encouraged it. But I think this was an initiative that really came from uh, from the Chassidim rather than from the Rebbe, which is strange. Most of our major initiatives, the Rebbe kind of kicks off. This one seems to have been started by Chassidim. We talked about the fact that the first public menorah lighting, or one of the first ones, was in Philadelphia, Avram Shemtiv. That was in 1975 in front of Independence Hall. We saw it was kind of a rickety little menorah, but it was the original step in the direction of public menorah lightings on public property. Uh, Chaim Drizzen in San Francisco uh, put one up in uh, in the in uh, San Francisco's Union Square in 1976, and we have uh, the giant menorah lighting in Manhattan. That's uh, Shmuel Butman who put it up uh, in, on Fifth Avenue. That became a big deal. We talked about that last time too, and then we talked about how. Uh, reform pushed back a little bit. We saw a letter from the Rebbe to the Union of Reform Rabbis explaining his shita and explaining why he wasn't concerned about these sorts of things, and uh, and after that. We talked about the White House, of course, the White House lawn, that uh, by 1980, we had a Minara on the White House lawn. Jimmy Carter lit it. Uh, he he came out after 100 days of not seeing anybody, came out specifically to light the Minara. We saw the Rebbe's letter to Carter that I thought was unusually warm and personal, uh, also thanking Jimmy Carter for participating in the first public Minara lighting on the White House lawn. So everything's going well for us, right? We uh, up at this point in the story, we're putting menorahs everywhere. Reform didn't like it, but the truth is reform doesn't usually like a lot of our ideas. The Rebbe did write a letter back to them, but there's not a whole lot of, uh, not a whole lot of pushback. Uh, governors and uh, senators and the president of the United States all seem excited about this idea of giant menorahs on public property. The next big backlash uh, came in 1981. In 1981, Yisrael Brod who was the Shliach in Bergen County, New Jersey at the time, he decided to set up a giant menorah in front of the Bergen County Courthouse in Hackensack, and they lit it every night with a cherry picker. And uh, and it was, by all accounts, a lovely event. People came and people enjoyed themselves, and uh, he didn't think much of it. That summer, the Jewish Federation of Teaneck called him, and they said, we saw what you did in Bergen County. Uh, fine, don't do it in Teaneck. So the uh, the Jewish Federation of Teaneck called him and told him, you are not to do this in Teaneck. Uh, I've read this story in a sanitized way. Uh, Deher has it. I have a strong suspicion that Deher sanitized the story a little bit because the way that Deher tells it is that uh, is that he decided that he was going to move forward. I know Shluchim. <laughs> and you know Shluchim too. The Jewish Federation called and told him no Minera. I'm sure that he very firmly said there will be a Minera. In any event, he pushed back and said there's going to be a Minera anyway. So they went directly over his head and wrote to the Rebbe. They wrote to the Rebbe and said, uh, and said we do not want this. Call, call off your shliach. And the Rebbe wrote back, and we have the record. We have the Rebbe's letters to them, their response, the Rebbe's response to that, their response, and the Rebbe's response to that. So we have three letters in total from the Rebbe and two letters from them where the argument is laid out very clearly why they didn't want the Minera. Now, a lot of these are from Yidin. A lot of the people writing are, are religious Jews, uh, people who normally are very involved in Jewish life, specifically in Tinek, where there were a lot of Yidin. And we really have this back and forth where the Rebbe uh, explains why he wants public Minera lightings. And in there, the Rebbe himself says in several of these letters that it reveals his overall shit about how to deal with Jews 
Judaism in the public, how to deal with the separation of church and state, how to deal with uh, public and private properties. So what you get from these letters is a, a very unique insight into the Rebbe Shita on a very major issue. You don't just get public menorah lightnings out of these letters. You get how the Rebbe understands the separation of church and state, how the Rebbe understands the lingering concern that many from Yidin have had and continue to have about having Judaism in the public sphere. Uh, we really get a lot from these letters. They're all in English. So we are going to look at them today. That's going to be our major discussion. I do want to tell you the uh, the end of the story because I'll probably forget to tell you. <laughs> so the end of the story is that uh, it didn't end up working out. The, the Rebbe wrote to them. The Rebbe explained himself. The Rebbe explained our shita. And the end of the story is they did not put a giant menorah in Teaneck that year and instead put it in a lot of other places in New Jersey, including Trenton, the capital of New Jersey. They put it literally like everywhere but Teaneck. And the following year, he and Rabbi Herson asked the Rebbe what to do. Uh, Rabbi Misha Herson, who's the head shliach of New Jersey, they asked the Rebbe, should we try to fight the Teaneck fight again? And the Rebbe told them sort of a vague response. He told them, only put it up in places where you think there's a reasonable chance of success. So they took that to mean that we're not putting it up in Teaneck, and uh, they and they didn't do it. They were told by the Federation of Teaneck and by the local county or the board of Teaneck, I don't know what it was, it was like a town council of some kind, they were told that they could not put it up until there was an official court ruling from some higher court saying that it was constitutional. Now, obviously, that was a ridiculous bar because, as we saw, they were already doing it on the right White House lawn. They were already doing it in uh, in county courthouses everywhere, so it was ridiculous. They, they had it in Trenton, but they said they wouldn't do anything until there was a Supreme Court decision, and as we will hopefully see by the end of the class, there was eventually a Supreme Court decision in 1989, so Teaneck does not actually get its Minerva until 1989. However, we're going to go into the letters. This first letter is a letter from the Rebbe to a uh, Mr. Jaffe, who it looks like is a, a lawyer, and uh, it's a relatively short letter. The Rebbe says, no doubt you've received my telephone message in response to your letter of November 18th on the matter of putting a Hanukkah on public property in Teaneck. For the record, I'm also going to reiterate it in writing briefly at any rate. So the Rebbe says, I made a phone call. I don't know I don't know the exact timeline for this, but the Rebbe at one point uh, sent a phone message. I'm sure the Rebbe didn't make the call. I'm sure that it was the Maskiris making the call, but the Rebbe puts it in writing as well, what he thinks in case the message was lost over the phone. He said, first of all, the subject matter in general is not a new idea requiring investigation as to constitutionality, public reaction, etc. This is the same approach the Rebbe took when talking to the vice president of the Union of Reform Rabbis. The Rebbe says to him, first of all, this is not something where we don't know the outcome. We're not sure about whether it's constitutional. We're not sure how the public's going to react. It's a new thing. We don't know what's going to happen. This has been fully weighed years ago, resulting in overwhelming support for the idea and in the actual reaction of a giant Hanukkah Manera on public property in Manhattan in the city of New York, the largest in the USA, also in Washington, the nation's capital, Philadelphia, the birthplace of American independence. Hanukkah Maneras are in display in cities throughout the Union. So the Rebbe starts off by saying, you're, you're making trouble where there isn't. We've had no problem anywhere else. I don't see why Teaneck is the one place upholding the Constitution of the United States. We did this in New York. We did this in Washington, D.C. We did this in Philadelphia. Teaneck is where they're going to... Fine. He continues. Thus, it has been long recognized in the United States that the erection of a public Hanukkah Manera is a positive thing because of its universal message of freedom of the human spirit, freedom of tyranny and oppression, and the ultimate victory of good over evil, just as a little light dispels a lot of darkness. Once again, very similar to the letter that he sent the lawyer, these fundamental human aspirations and principles, as visibly symbolized by the kindling of the Hanukkah lights, are surely shared by the vast majority of Americans. So the Rebbe's argument number one is that we've done this and it works. The Rebbe's argument number two is that these are American values as much as they are Jewish values. Is that the Hanukkah Manera while it is a religious symbol, and while it's our religion, this part of our religion speaks directly to everything that America stands for. Freedom from tyranny, the positive freedom of the human spirit, the victory of good over evil, little light dispelling a lot of darkness. It's not going to be unconstitutional because this part of our religion is just pure Americanism, is that there's, there's a strong American streak to, the, to Hanukkah. 
as a matter of fact, total total aside, I didn't plan on talking about it at all. I, I'm I, I every day when I've been going to work this week, I brought in Mitzayim um, Menorahs to give out to people at work. I put out an email saying anybody could come by the office and pick them up. A very smart young man uh, came into my office and he said, uh, he's "Jewish, very clearly Jewish. I mean, the the curly hair, the glasses, the entire the entire persona of a Jew, but uh, but clearly not from and." Uh, and he says to me, he clearly knows a lot of stuff. He grabs a Monero. He says, thank you very much. He took some chocolate. And he said, uh, we had the chocolate coins. And he said, you know, I know a little bit a little bit about Hanukkah. And I think I'm the bad guy. This is what he says to me. He said, I think I'm the bad guy of the Hanukkah story. The whole Hanukkah story is against the, uh, the sort of enlightened secular Jews who thought that the most important thing was the science of their day. And I'm pretty sure what we're celebrating is, the, is, is our defeat. So he said, I do find it a little weird that I'm taking a Monero, given that we're celebrating, given that's a holiday celebrating the defeat of me. And uh, I told him it that that is one of the things it celebrates, but you know what else it celebrates? And I pulled directly from these letters. I said, the victory of good over evil and a little bit of light dispelling a lot of darkness. I said, even if you're not ready yet to get on board with the whole Hanukkah message, there's a piece in there that really does speak to directly things that you believe in. You know, the idea of a little light dispelling a lot of darkness and uh, freedom of uh, human spirit, freedom from tyranny and oppression. So it's good to know these other reasons. It's not, there's not just one Hanukkah story. This is also part of the Hanukkah story. And for someone who can't relate yet to the other part, uh, there is something for them in Hanukkah. Anyway, continuing. Indeed. So enthusiastically welcome has the public Hanukkah Manera been that its inaugurals have been graced by the personal participation of the President of the United States and the highest city and state officials and dignitaries wherever the Hanukkah Manera makes its appearance that ever goes on to appeal to authority. He says, not only is it great and not only does it speak to American values, I have the President lighting it on the White House lawn. What do you want from me, Tinek? I mean, just, it's just, if you're from New Jersey, this makes so much sense. <laughs> it had to be a small town in New Jersey that is, is going up against the President. As an attorney of law that ever says we're talking to a lawyer, you know, of course, the force of the pre of precedent, especially one that has recurred many times, even in a court of law. The Rebbe says we have ample precedent that this is okay. Incidentally, the said public Hanukkah Manera has already become a familiar sight, and it usually receives good coverage from the media. The Rebbe is bragging. We have this all over the place. It's in the newspaper. If there was a problem, somebody would have said something. Uh, your personal effort is much appreciated <clears throat> with esteem and blessing. So the Rebbe asks him to get involved. <clears throat> It sounds like he didn't. It's December 2nd now, 1981. We're getting close to Hanukkah, and the Rebbe writes a letter to the Jewish Federation. And the Rebbe writes, I'm sorry, I got this backwards. I'm sorry. This is to the Rebbe from the Federation. So this comes to the Federation, the previous letter, and now the Federation writes to the Rebbe. And they write, Dear Rabbi Schneerson, and uh, actually, they throw, you know, it's, it's good to look down below the line. They have the, they have the photocopy. They're more respectful than it sounds. They uh, they address it to Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, and then they put in Hebrew shlita, because in, in the typewriters, I guess they didn't have a Hebrew typewriter. So you'll notice every now and then they throw in a Hebrew word, and they write it in, like, down there, Shalom Bias. It's cool to see the uh, the original typewritten letters. We have them printed here. They write to the Rebbe. Rabbi Brod, that's the shliach who was, who was arguing with them, has told us that he has written you about the placement of menorah in town property because this issue is so important our community wanted to contact you as well. So this is Tinek writing to the Rebbe. They say the Tinek Jewish Community Council has existed for 25 years and that when they started off, now, Christian observances in the township were an enormous problem. They were offensive to Jewish children and parents. Jewish children weren't able to participate in things that were held on school. There were orchestras that were held on Shabbos. Over the years, though, we were able to uh, get Christianity out of the public school. This is what they're telling the Rebbe. We were able to work very hard to get them to finally get Christianity to the public school. Jewish children can participate. We got rid of nativity scenes. We got rid of the Christmas symbols on the highway. They said we've been spending years getting rid of Christianity from the public under the claim that the public eye shouldn't have to deal with religion. What we have left is 
an evergreen with no lights, no Christian symbols. Um, some of the candles in the windows of the municipal building, we've really gotten it down to almost nothing. We essentially killed Christmas. So we have here Teaneck Jewish Community Council is the actual is the actual antithesis of Christmas. I mean, I think I think the Goyim tells stories about things like this, but the Jews killed Christmas in, in Teaneck. This is what they did. So uh, we're aware of the continued nature of the work that we do, they say. Uh, we know that it's important for us to keep on fighting the good fight and keeping and keeping this religion out of Teaneck. And since we have to keep the Goyim out of Teaneck, uh, part of this is, I'm sorry, I want to, let me continue making their case. They don't then, they don't then come full circle. They say also we've helped with Judaism. So we got rid of Christianity, we've strengthened Judaism. We, uh, we were able to calm people down enough that we were able to build, build a mikvah at the time there was opposition to a mikvah. And we feel that we were able to, uh, through our diplomacy, we were able to get ourselves a mikvah. We sponsor a Purim, Carnival, uh, every year. So, they're saying, Rebbe, you just don't understand the full picture. The full picture here is that we've been working for many years to get religion out of the public sphere. And because we've been able to garner many years of goodwill with our Gaisha neighbors, we've been able to get a lot of Jewish programs off the ground. We got a mikvah off the ground. We were able to get a Purim party off the ground. Uh, you might think putting a menorah up is a good thing, but it's actually going to ruin all the work that we've been doing for years. Uh, it, would, it would undermine the thing that we did when we removed all the Gaisha symbols from the public. And it's also going to undermine the acts of diplomacy that we've been involved in for years that have allowed us to have good relations with our neighbors and assemble these and, and put together mikvahs and things like that. So uh, they said the town council officially voted against the Minara on town property, and its decision was in accordance with the position that we've had from the beginning. We told them from the beginning, no religious symbols on town property. So obviously the town council voted against it. Uh, it would have been appropriate, they say, for the JCC to write an official statement saying that we agree with what they did. We didn't want to come out directly against Rabbi Broad. We don't want to make a big fight. So uh, we didn't do that in public because we don't want to isolate anybody. But if this continues to be an issue, we might have to we might have to fight. We might have to fight him. If he's if we get along with the and we figured out how to make this work, and Rabbi Broad is the only problem, Chabad's the only issue, we're going to side with the Goyim and take up Broad. That's what they're essentially saying in this letter. If the Menorah placement continues to be an issue, we fear the present status of a peaceful house will be disrupted. We don't want this to happen. How can this in any way benefit the Jewish children or Jewish event, Jews of any age in Teaneck? Uh, we regard this matter with great concern. We know the holiday season is the worst time in which to discuss such an issue in the community. Uh, thank you for what you can do to help us maintain the Shalom bias in our community. Uh, signed respectfully from the Jewish Community Council of Teaneck, Linda Gissen, I don't know how to pronounce her name, who was the president of this council and included many different synagogues, including some Orthodox ones. So there's a group of Yidden who are uh, seemingly for pretty good reasons upset about the idea of public minority lightings. The Rebbe writes back. The Rebbe writes back. He says, I'm acknowledging that I got your letter on December 2nd. That's the one we just read. He said, since this, since this is time sensitive, the Rebbe is writing back on December 9th. It is still before Hanukkah. So the Rebbe says, I want to write back an urgent message. I did it by special delivery, although I'm only writing a preliminary reply at this point. The reason that this matters, placing Menorah on town property, seems to have made an issue in your community. It's not a new idea. It's not a new problem, constitutional, legal, proper, or otherwise. That has to be weighed and determined. He said, there's a lot of precedent in the Rebbe in this paragraph. I'm going to summarize so we can keep on moving. The Rebbe in this paragraph, again, does the thing that he did in the letter to the lawyer and in the letter to the reform uh, vice president, telling them that we've been doing this for years. It works in the White House. It works in uh, the, 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 the president's involved in lighting this. We, we're, we're sure this isn't an issue of constitutionality. Let me emphasize, says the Rebbe, that the Minara of the nation's capital was introduced without anyone making an issue of it. It is as self-evident in the public interest. There was also constitutional, legal, and proper, goes without saying, since the president of the United States participated in it. The Rebbe says, I don't have time to explain to you why you're wrong, but let's just start with the basics. We did this at the White House with the president and no one raised a problem. It's not an issue. The Rebbe says, I confess that the failure to take into account any of the above 
by the JCC has left me perplexed and amazed, says the Rebbe. I'm perplexed and amazed that you think that you have an idea that the president didn't think of. After, after receiving a clarification of this point, I will be able to address myself to the contents of your letter. The Rebbe says, I'm not really prepared to answer your questions until you answer me why you think you know more than the president of the United States. With esteem and blessing for a bright and inspiring Hanukkah, the Rebbe. So they write back to the Rebbe. And we have the letter where they wrote back, but they didn't write back until after Hanukkah. So now Hanukkah's over. Uh, they write back. And they say that uh, the fact that the president was involved in the, in the lighting of the menorah does not necessarily mean anything. They write back and they say to the Rebbe, we're going to summarize this letter so we can really get to the last letter, which has a lot of the Rebbe shit in it. They, uh, they write back to the Rebbe and they say, we don't think the president being involved is any sort of precedent. They say, yeah, he did it once, but the following year, he did not do it. Instead, he sent two Jews to do it. This year, he didn't participate, neither did his representatives. They say to the Rebbe, look, the first time the president did it, you might have had a claim, but the prior next in the next two years, the president was not involved in lighting the menorah. So I don't think you could bring a proof from there. They say you, the Rebbe is right that they didn't make an issue of it in the nation's capital, but uh, also there's often a Christmas tree in the on the White House lawn. We've been working for many years to get rid of religious symbols in Teaneck. It's uh, comparing apples to oranges. They they push back. In response, the Rebbe gives them a very long letter, and this very long letter reveals the Rebbe Shitta for uh, everything, for all for all influence and uh, and discussion about Judaism in the public sphere. This is the Rebbe's key letter of that topic. And uh, in this letter, the Rebbe writes on Gimel Tevis. This is already December 29th of 1981. And the Rebbe says in the beginning that the subject matter of our correspondence, which is the placing of a Hanukkah lamp on public property, has no relevance now. Uh, Hanukkah's past. So it but it touches upon a fundamental principle which has ramifications beyond the immediate issue. So this is an important line for us. Here the Rebbe is saying that I'm writing to you after Hanukkah. Why write about after Hanukkah? Why, why write about putting up a menorah on public property after Hanukkah has passed? Because this touches on a fundamental principle which has implications and ramifications beyond the immediate issue. So the Rebbe is telling us his shita on how to deal with Judaism in the public sphere. The Rebbe says, number one, to begin with, it should be noted that when it comes to a relationship between two different, different ethnic or religious groups, uh, it's not enough when one of the parties decides that they're going to keep a policy in order to avoid the other side from breaking their policy. Because it has no control of what the other party may react in one of three ways, favorably, unfavorably, or indifferently. So the Rebbe in this first note says, if, if, the, Jews and the, if the Jews and the other guy living in Tinek are trying to make a sort of peace, and the idea is that if you don't post your religious symbols, we won't post ours, that's sort of a silly way of doing things. Because all we can be sure of is that we're going to keep our end of it. We can't be sure they're going to keep their end of it. So we might for years not have a menorah lighting uh, under the assumption that this will ensure that they'll never have their religious symbols up. And one year they put them up and suddenly we've been, and now at this point, we've been missing years of using our religious symbols. So it's just not a way to negotiate. Point number two, since the Gullis, following exile from our land, we've always been a minority, often a very small minority. And uh, the problem of coexistence has always been an issue when we've been out ever since we've been in the diaspora. And although things change from time to time, how we relate to the non-Jewish minority, we've, we've always had a back and forth on this. There has been a common denominator that applies to all Goliaths, to every one of the times and places of Jewish dispersion. There is one common denominator. And this is the fact that the Goyim do not usually live up to the divine moral precepts of the Noahide laws. And they don't usually, uh, they usually think that they're uh, entitled to everything. And anything granted to the minority is considered an act of charity, an act of grace. So much so that when it comes to regarding the minority as having fully acquiesced in this relationship, even if we call it request, demands, or privileges, considered itself entitled to it. What the Rebbe is saying in this letter is that in Gullus, there's one, there's one, uh, there's one solid thing that we see in Gullus all the time, and it's that if they give us anything, they sort of throw it to us, uh, throw it to us uh, over their shoulder. They kind of give it to us, uh, give it to us begrudgingly, and uh, and anytime they let us even feel like we're getting the upper hand, it is really them giving in rather than us demanding privileges. The Rebbe says, you think you're getting something from them, but you're not really getting anything from them at all. Number three, 
Under such circumstances, if the minority voluntarily gives up certain privileges that it once enjoyed, for example, the right to put up a Monero, then it could be regarded as a sign of weakness and an admission that it really isn't entitled to anything at all. So Deb is saying here, he's building a case. He's saying that if the non-Jews that we live with have decided we're allowed to have a Monero, and we then say back that we give up our right to a Monero in, so that you will give up some of your rights, that we're, we're, we're imagining we're on equal footing, that there's the Jews and the Christians, that they're two equal powers in the country, and that we're making negotiations. The Deb says that's not the way this really works. This is the this is the super majority. There's an enormous majority of non-Jews. They agreed to give you certain rights. When you say you're going to voluntarily give those rights up, all you're doing is saying that you're not really entitled to anything in the first place, and they're going to go on doing whatever they want to do because they're the majority. So you're not going to, this is not a way, this is not a way to interact with your non-Jewish neighbors. You think you're gaining ground, but all you're really doing is that every time they tell you you can do something, you're saying, actually, we don't need it on the hope that they won't need it either. The truth is they're going to take it and they're going to leave you out to dry because you already told them you don't need it. This applies directly to the Rebbe's uh, shita on taking, on taking financial aid from the government when it comes to religious schools. The Jewish schools wanted to make the claim that we don't need any religious aid from the government and hopefully the Christian schools won't take any aid from the government either. And the answer was no, the Christian schools still wanted to take aid from the government and they would. All you did was tell us you're one group that doesn't need it. All you're doing is disenfranchising yourself. You're not going to disenfranchise them. They're the majority. Number four, there is a directive in the Torah that we're not allowed to taunt an adversary. But this has to do with taunting. It doesn't mean we have to surrender positions we've won over the years. This is very important and very subtle. On one hand, we are not supposed to be poking the guy in the eye and trying to upset them. At the same time, if they've given us a right, that doesn't mean we're poking them in the eye when we exercise it. So when, the, when America gives us a right to practice religion in a certain way, then when we use that right, we are never taunting them by using that right. We're using a right that was given to us. Taunting them is doing beyond what they allowed us to do. <clears throat> Number five. Even if there is a uh, some sort of a concession tactic, like what you guys have been doing, and it seems to have been working for a while, what you what, what Tinek reported that they've been giving in, and therefore they were they were able to get a mikvah off the ground. Even if this seems to be working for a while, there is no assurance that this will always be effective. It's a democratically free country like the United States. There's elections all the time. You never know who the next public official is going to be. You don't know what the policy is going to be. You can't rely on things like this lasting forever. So the Rebbe says these are. This is my introduction. Says the Rebbe. I think we're going to go over time a little bit today. Although I know on th on Thursdays I think Surly has a has a hard out. No. Yeah, so really, you might miss the last the last bit of this. Uh, with the above prefatory remarks in mind, the Rebbe says, this is my introduction, let's talk about the practical implications. The Jewish community in the United States is as old as the United States. I say this a lot. I like that I like that the Rebbe says in a letter. I didn't know it was in a Rebbe letter. But uh, we are as old as the United States. Um, many of the white supremacists who tell people to tell Jews to go back home have not been here as long as the Jews have been. We, we had Jews here during the Revolutionary War. We had Jews here among the times of the colonies. So uh, we are a very old community in America. Well, we know the problems it faced. We know the discrimination it suffered until it won its place. We know how hard it was to be a Jew in America until America started recognizing us and giving us our privileges. Even in these days, uh, anti-Semitism exists. Can you imagine? Even in the 80s, they had anti-Semitism, not only latently, but also overtly. Under these circumstances, we can never relax our alertness to any sign of erosion in our hard-won position. Says the Rebbe, there is still anti-Semitism, and as long as there is anti-Semitism, we, we, we have to be alert all the time, that we might lose some of the ground that we've gained. One of the grounds that we've gained is lighting a Hanukkah menorah in public places. And as and then he goes again to mention all the places we got to light them. There have been some Jews who did raise objections in several places out of fear that it might call attention to the fact that there are Jews living in that city. 
Jews who would apparently be willing to forego the claim the public places belong also them as part of the public. The Rebbe says, we, we need to defend we need to defend the practice of lighting the menorah in public to fight anti-Semitism, which is the opposite of what the Katina Council was saying. They were saying, we need to keep a low profile. The Rebbe is saying, if we relax any of our claims that we've earned in America, that gives an opening for anti-Semites to say, oh, the Jews don't really belong here. If we're part of the system, if Hanukkah menorah is part of what happens at the White House every holiday season, if a menorah in public is what happens every year around the time they're celebrating their holidays, there really isn't a voice for anti-Semitism because we're part of the story. If we give that ground up, that creates anti-Semitism because now they can say, look, this religion, it comes out of nowhere. It's not even recognized by the government. So recognition by the government and being in the public sphere protects Jews, which is a counterintuitive way of doing things. Uh, it certainly is not the way that a lot of Jews see interaction with the government. <clears throat> Going to go right here. In light of the above, when a Jewish community anywhere in the United States publicly raises objections to placing a Hanukkah menorah in a public place on whatever grounds, even well-intentioned grounds, you're jeopardizing the Jewish position in general. These are strong words here. The Rebbe says, if you in Teaneck say you don't want a Hanukkah menorah, you're jeopardizing the Jewish position in the entire United States because you're making a claim that, you, that Judaism doesn't belong in the public space and therefore you're making a claim that Judaism is alien to what America does. And if Jews if Jews are aliens, then Jews are targets. So the Rebbe says, you're putting a target on our backs by trying by, by opposing this menorah. Very strong words. Jeopardizing the Jewish position in general. It's also undermining its own position in the long run. Not only are you hurting, not only are you hurting the entire Jewish people, you're hurting yourselves. With all due respect to the claim that this has uh, reduced all Christological elements in public life, I doubt whether these have been eliminated completely. And the Rebbe's right. As they said in their own letter, there's still candles in their windows. They still have a tree. They just got rid of something. They said, for the sake of an argument, let's say that this happened in Teaneck. This is one of the only places where it's ever going to happen. And someday someone's going to say, why should Teaneck be the only town that Jews are preventing Christmas from happening? And they're going to bring it back. So the Rebbe says, even if you're, I don't think you're right that you succeeded in getting rid of religion from Teaneck completely. But even if you did, how long do you think it is until somebody figures out that the Jews killed Christmas? Do you want that on us? So the Rebbe says, I, I don't think it's a good idea for you to shut this down. People are going to say, why should Teaneck be the only American town that doesn't have a public Christmas? And it's only hindered by Jews who won't let them express religious symbols. You're putting a target on our backs. So the Rebbe says, not only are you going to hurt us, you're going to hurt everybody, you're going to hurt yourselves. This is a terrible idea. Let's go to the essential point, says the Rebbe. Why is it so important for Jews to have a Hanukkah menorah displayed publicly? So up until now, the Rebbe has taken down their arguments why we shouldn't have one. Now let's talk about why it's so important that we have one. The Rebbe says, Experience has shown that the Hanukkah menorah displayed publicly during the eight days of Hanukkah is an inspiration to many, many Jews and evoked in them a spirit of, a spirit of identity with their Jewish people and the Jewish way of life. The Rebbe says, when we put up the menorah, Jews get more involved in Judaism. It gives them a pride in their Yiddishkeit, a realization that there's no reason in this free country to hide your Jewishness, um, and that this has nothing, this is not a contradiction to American life and culture. On the contrary, it keeps with the American national slogan of e pluribus unum and the fact that American culture has been enriched by the thriving ethnic cultures. It's diversity. Um, putting up a menorah adds to diversity and America is all about diversity. So putting up the menorah teaches Jews that they don't have to be embarrassed by their Judaism in America and that Judaism works with America. Certainly, Jews are not in the proselytizing business, says the Rebbe. The menorah is not intended to bring us converts to Judaism, but it can and does bring many Jews back to their Jewish roots. I personally know, says the Rebbe, scores of such Jewish returnees, scores of people on the Rebbe, remember, is a Rebbe. He's not allowed to exaggerate. He's a Tzaddik. So when he says he personally knows of scores of Jewish returnees who have come back by have been made by the public menorah lighting, that means he literally knows of scores of Yidin as of the 80s who had already become from through the Hanukkah menorah lighting. Uh, by what they experience when they kindle a Hanukkah menorah in their city and the nation's capital, as publicized by the media. In summary, the Rebbe concludes, 
<clears throat> Jews, either individually or communally, should not create the impression that they are ashamed to show their Jewishness or that they wish to gain their neighbor's respect by covering up their Jewishness, nor will this ensure their rights. This won't ensure, the, uh, including the privilege of public letting of Hanukkah Menorah, a practice that has been sanctioned by precedent and custom and has become a tradition. So it's not going to help you. All it's going to do is it's going to hurt you. You guys are out of your minds. I'm paraphrasing, of course. I also must point out that I don't think that a Jewish community can disregard its responsibility to other Jewish communities. So that says, I want to add, you are messing up things for other Jewish communities by taking this stand. And I don't think your job is just to be the council of the Jewish community of Tinek. I think your job is also to think about other Jewish communities and you're going to ruin it for all of us. So that says, with the Stephen Blessing, he puts his signature. Then there's a PS. Then I trust you're aware of other instances involving Jewish practices in public, like a beard in the military or a yarmulke in a court of law. Jews insisted upon this and they won their inalienable rights. Uh, and I think what he's saying in here, first of all, is that is that there's a lot of precedent for us having public display of religion. But also, these are some of the rights that we won that could be taken away if people keep on saying maybe we don't deserve a Minera. Is that a lot of the rights we fought for for a very long time are predicated upon this continuing precedent that we are allowed to be Jewish in public spaces. And if you chip away at that by taking away the Minera from Tinek, you're chipping away at Yamaka in a court of law. You're chipping away at a beard in the military. So you're chipping away at a lot of these things for a relatively small fish and, I, and, for, and for something that you're really not going to gain from. PPS, there's another PS. I don't understand your remark about the president coming for the Minera lighting. It shows it's constitutional. You say that he didn't participate the following year, and I don't understand how this is supposed to disprove my point. The president did participate. The Minera is still kindled there. Why he didn't come again? I don't know. Maybe it would be awkward to keep on showing up when we don't let him light the candle. Uh, so he chose Jewish representatives, the rabbi says. Maybe that's why he doesn't come, because he wants to light the Minera. It's a little weird to just stand there while some rabbi lights the Minera if you're the president. Maybe the president of the United States won't always do what the prior president did. Maybe he wants to do different things with his public appearances. But the fact that the president did it once is fine precedent. I don't accept your rejection. The important thing, again, is that a tradition has been established. The president saw fit to inaugurate this. It surprises me that your representatives didn't mention it when the issue came up for discussion in your community. And there is an addendum that says that this letter was delayed after quite a while, so it didn't come out for a long time. And uh, in over Hanukkah, the ceremonies were all well attended wherever there were public menorah lightings. We must read this last line because it's a real kicker. The Rebbe adds, and this is already in an addendum to a PS to a PS, the Rebbe adds a following very harsh note. He says, it is difficult to imagine that after what happened to in Hitler, Germany, some Jews will still entertain the idea that making themselves as inconspicuous as possible, concealing their Jewishness, they would gain favor with their Gentile neighbors, whereas the opposite view is more widely recognized. The Rebbe says, I do not understand why people who made it through the Holocaust can think that if they hide their Judaism, they will be safe. They hid their Judaism and they were not safe. Besides, anti-Semitism and prejudice require no outside causes, the Rebbe says. Hating us has nothing to do with what we do. The anti-Semitism and prejudice does not come from our public menorah lightings. It doesn't come from the way that we act. It comes from the fact that they hate us. However, to expand on this topic here would be too much of a digression from our main subject. And so that, with that, the Rebbe concludes. We only have uh, five minutes left before the Zoom meeting throws us off, but I do want to end this topic because this isn't enough for its own share. I did mention to you that in 1989, this, uh, the question of uh, putting a Minera in public property was Allegheny versus the ACLU. This was in uh, the Pittsburgh area. They had a lawsuit, made it all the way up to the Supreme Court. Are you allowed to put a Minera on a on government property? Is a, is a private Minera allowed to be placed on government property? And uh, the court ruled in our favor. It was a 6-3 ruling, so we had, the, we had a nice big majority that the city was permitted to put up the Minera, and when this happened, we put out a press release. And if I can get it on the screen fast enough to show you, we put up we put out a press release and the Rebbe was involved in a heavy editing of this press release. Let me see if I can get it on the screen. I'm racing the clock. Where is this? Ah, I think I can pull it up over here. Hang on. There. Here's the press release. It was released in a churro somewhat recently. 
The press release has some really interesting edits from the Rebbe on it. Well, the press release says that we're pleased with the court's decision. We're not surprised at this ruling. We've always maintained that, and they originally wrote, the framers of the Constitution of the United States never intended to separate government from religion. And the Rebbe crosses all that out and says, we have always maintained that the founders of this country believed in God. That's our opening line. They came here to escape the religious persecution of governments that coerced citizens to abide by a religion. We have notes down here on exactly what things the Rebbe changed and why. I think this is accepted by the government. So we think they came to escape religious persecution of governments that coerced its citizens to abide by a religion accepted by the government. They hope to establish on these shores a life where people would enjoy religious freedom, worship God freely, each according with his own beliefs. For centuries, this has been manifest with the motto in God we trust engraved on this country's currency and with the government legislative houses prefacing their deliberations with a prayer to God. And then the Rebbe adds, the menorah is particularly symbolic of religious freedom. The Rebbe wants that in the press release to tell people that a menorah is a symbol of religious freedom. So going back to the thing that I mentioned earlier with that boy who came in uh, to my office at Rockefeller saying that he felt that Hanukkah wasn't really for him because he's on the other side. Note that whenever the Rebbe deals with the public, the Rebbe doesn't really talk about that thing we see in Sichas, that the importance of Hanukkah is recognizing that uh, Judaism is not a culture, it's a religion. Religion, that there needs to you can't take the uh, you can't take the purity out of the oil. That is what we talk about uh, in Chassidus. When it comes to our public-facing menorah message, it's very much this: menorah is a symbol of religious freedom. Menorah is a symbol of light dispelling darkness. And the Rebbe wanted this even in the press release <clears throat> after the Supreme Court decision. It is our fervent hope that the Jewish community will now come together to fully utilize the religious freedom guaranteed and protected by this great country. That last sentence is uh, essentially a paraphrase of all of the letters that the Rebbe sent Tinek, is that we hope that the outcome of all of this will be that Jews will come together to fully utilize the religious freedom guaranteed to and protected by this great country. There is a really interesting note that the Rebbe puts on the side. Let's use our last few minutes to take a look at it. The Rebbe has a note over here. Uh, they wrote that the goal of America was to allow everybody to worship God according to his or her beliefs. And the Rebbe takes issue with that from a halachic perspective and puts a line through it. It says, just say worship God freely. Don't say that people here are allowed to worship according to their beliefs. And here's why. We have a note down here. It's, it's on the side, but it's almost impossible to read. So I'm going to read it to you in the in the regular printed Hebrew below. It says, Christianity is a Vedazara. Now, this is a controversial statement, but the Rebbe says, Natsrut hi Avedazara. Christianity is Avedazara. It is the opposite of the Sheva Mitzvahs. So the performance of the observance of Christianity is the opposite of keeping the seven Mitzvahs of B'nei This does not apply to Islam. Now, the only reason, the reason why we're allowed to get around this and not treat modern Christians as idolaters is because they're really just doing what their parents always did. They don't really believe in it anymore. <clears throat> so I think the reason why the Rebbe crossed out this line that everybody in America is free to worship according to their beliefs is that if you really believe that Christians really believe in Christianity, then they're actual uh, then, they're, then they're actual idolaters. And that's not a freedom we want them to have. So the Rebbe doesn't want this line here because we want to be able to say that Christians are not uh, worshiping according to their beliefs. They're simply doing what their parents taught them to do because otherwise we have to deal with the real of a desire problem. It's a really interesting side point that is in this press release. What we get from all of this is that the Rebbe, uh, although he didn't necessarily start public menorah lightings, the Shluchim did, the Rebbe defends the practice so strongly. <clears throat> we saw that the Rebbe doesn't want fights. The Rebbe tells Shluchim to shy away from these arguments if possible, not to put menorahs up in places where they might fail because that does create a dangerous precedent that could harm not just future menorah lightings, but could harm the entire idea of Judaism in the public sphere. But as far as the Rebbe's shita about Judaism in the public sphere, we really get a lot from this. We can squeeze this, put it into uh, thousands of different scenarios. I hope it's been helpful. Thank you all very much.